Hello and welcome to the Parenting with Play podcast. I'm so pleased you're here. Do you find that your partner or husband parents in exactly the same way as you? And if they don't, chances are they don't, does that cause conflict with you? And how do you navigate that? And do you wonder sometimes, I often get comments going, well, is there much point me following this different approach if my partner doesn't follow it? And of course, the answer I will say is yes. So this week, I really want to dive in to how you can navigate the challenges that you and your partner might be having about parenting and the value and recognize the value of what you're doing with your children. I'm Helena Mooney, and if you're wanting practical, respectful, and effective strategies to help transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. So how do you find parenting with your other half? Because particularly when our kids are really little, it can be a real source of conflict. And especially when and I realise I'm talking mainly to mums, as mums, we're often the ones who do do the research, who talk to other mums at mother's group or online or in different forums. And we find out about ways that we want to parent our children. We learn about new stuff, don't we? And often then we take it home. We're all really excited going, I really think we should try this. Let's do this. And it could be met with quite strong resistance from your partner. And clearly I'm speaking from personal experience here, but it's also a really common thing that I list here with my clients. So it's important that we talk about it because this way of parenting, parenting with play, parenting with connection, listening to upset feelings is different. It's different to how we were parented when we were little. It's different to very much of mainstream advice, although I think things are changing, which is fantastic. But when we do things differently, particularly something as sensitive and as important as parenting, it's hard for others to understand why or what we're doing or to get their head around it. And even though your partner may intellectually get it, like you intellectually got it, it can be hard to really um, understand and implement it at home, particularly when your children's being really challenging, particularly when you're tired and you're over it and your kids are being really annoying and you're going, let's play, let's listen to feelings. And they're going, what? <laughs> I don't want to be doing this. We need hard, firm discipline, just like I experienced when I was growing up. Because obviously when we're parenting, we learn how to parent whilst we were being parented ourselves. And so it can can be a really, it can require a huge mind shift to then go, okay, let's do something different to what our parents did. Because we obviously clearly are very attached to our parents and we respect them and we like how they parented us much of the time. And then we also might want to look at different ways, but it can cause a bit of a defensive reaction when we're going, well, your mum did this and therefore we're going to try and do something else. It can cause conflict, particularly if your partner doesn't think there was anything wrong with how that they were raised and isn't particularly open to learning new ways. So I really just want to offer that this is really common. If you're having conflict with your other half, it's a really common thing to experience, particularly mum's wanting to do something different. Dad's not as involved or as understanding of the, of the process and of what we're actually doing. So if that's the case, I really want to encourage you to try and take some of the stress and the heat out of those discussions that you might be having with them. Your children, you know, love you both and both of you offer so much to your children, whether you're doing it perfectly or this approach or not. So 
know that that's still important. And so obviously try and respect your partner's point of view because that's valid too. But if they're unwilling to engage with listening to upset feelings or to, to, to respond in ways that you would ideally like, that's, that can be okay. You can still manage it. And what's important is how you are because you, can be, you become that safe space. And I know you just go, oh God, that's more for me to do. But it's better than not giving your child that at all. Like I've had somebody going, well, is there much point me doing this if my partner's not doing it? And the answer is absolutely yes. Because your children need need that opportunity to feel strongly connected with you, to have a place where they can offload all their upset feelings. And by you playing and listening to their upset feelings in whatever capacity you can manage, that is so unbelievably helpful for your child. And then it becomes great if your partner can do it. And if they can't, well, then at least your child is experiencing that from you. But we also obviously want to reduce conflict between the two of you over parenting. And so I share this often in my courses and online is that, first of all, men find it harder to listen to upset feelings than us women. And that is largely because it wasn't okay for little boys to be upset or to be scared or to be anxious. They could be angry, but they couldn't be sad and upset and fearful. Whereas as little girls, it was generally more acceptable for us to be sad and upset and we were comforted. Wasn't it so acceptable for us to be angry, but it was more acceptable for us to be sad and a bit timid and, you know, we could be looked after and, and mollycoddled in that way. So from a more traditional parenting styles boys and girls were treated very differently and so you know your husband or your partner will have had that experience from a very young age of shutting down emotion and that's why we need to explicitly say now it's okay for boys to cry (laughs) um and you know and going against the the gender stereotypes of you know man up and you know, hold it together and be a man and all that, you know, the connotations of what it means to be a man, which is really not to show emotions. And so there's so much work that's obviously going on around now about how it is great for men to express themselves and to be emotional and to feel and express their emotions. So it's very, but it's very hard. It's very ingrained. And most men that I experience really struggle with this. As women, we struggle too, but men find it harder. So I really want to offer that to sort of just let lift up the pressure a little bit. And maybe it does fall on you mainly to be the one who listens to upset feelings. Maybe that is how it's going to be. Maybe over time, your partner will get more comfortable with what you're doing, but they still may not be able to actually move in lovingly, set the limit and listen to the tears. Many men do. And so you're, you might be lucky and your husband and partner does that, but maybe they don't and maybe they won't. And I think sometimes we need to get to a point of acceptance that this is how it's going to be. One of us is going to do something and the other person is going to do something else. And together, we're really complementary. We work together, not necessarily having to do the same thing all the time, but each of us has a really important role And so often it's the dads who really embrace the playfulness. And yes, sometimes it needs to be directed by us mums. Going, Why don't you go and play now? (laughs) But the more that we can focus on what our partners do 
in a parenting capacity and in a broader family capacity, that gives us a greater sense of appreciation for them. And it takes away from us just purely focusing on everything that they can't do or unwilling to do and completely refusing to do. Because it's very easy, and again, I speak from personal experience, it's very easy to focus on everything that they're not doing and to get blamey and aggressive going, well, you should be doing this and this is really helpful and how can you not do this? And, you know, we can get very antsy at them and we're not offering the compassion that we're trying to offer to our children. So try and find those ways and those things that you really appreciate your partner doing for you and for the family. And the more you can focus on that, A, the more you appreciate them and B, they then feel more included and it doesn't become this exclusionary thing. And so then they're much more likely to be willing to want to then start to learn to do this other approach. And I've got a classic example when um, Emily, who's now 12, 11, uh, was a baby. uh, I really wanted uh, my husband to do all the bathing because, you know, I've heard that that's a great thing that loads of dads do. The issue was (laughs) when he did do the bathing, I was so critical of him. He wasn't holding her right. I can't even think about what I was criticizing, but I was very critical. I was hovering and I was criticizing and I was putting huge amount of pressure on him to do it my way, because obviously I'm completely right in everything to do with parenting. Um, And, you know, inevitably after a little while, he then going, well, this is not fun. I'm not enjoying this in the slightest and clearly I'm not being able to do it right. So therefore, I'm not going to do it at all. And I'm like, oh God. (laughs) So not only did I then have to then do more bathing, but that caused a rift. It probably impacted his confidence and his ability to parent his own daughter and spoiled a moment where they could have connected. So it's really important that we don't keep placing all of our criticism and our desire for perfection and projecting all of that onto them and expecting them to live up to this idealised version of exactly what you want. When the reality is, is that we're not perfect. I'm certainly not perfect with my kids. And there's times when I don't do things great and he can then step in. But if we keep demanding perfection from our partners, then that's just unobtainable and it will cause a conflict. And we just need to often just let go of what our expectations are of them and how we want them to be all of the time. So appreciate what they do do. And there are things, and I had to have this drummed into me, which is why I'm saying it so explicitly, because my mentor was going, well, look at what he does do. And he is a great dad and he's loving and all these wonderful things. And I'm going, yeah, but he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And goodness, he can't listen to upset feelings, blah, 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 blah. I was missing, I was blind to everything brilliant that he was doing. So if you're in that state of conflict right now, <laughs> whether you're living with them or you are separated from them, that f- try and find those things that are great, how they are a really good dad um, and what they do contribute to your child, to your relationship, to your family and, and notice that and actively notice it because then that will help to offset the myriad of things that they're not doing perfectly. The other thing is, is to really model what you want because just like my instant with the bath where I'm standing there, you know, being a sideline critic. I don't even know why I was doing, but well, 
I do know why. Because our children are so precious and we want to do the absolute best for them. And so we put ourselves under huge pressure to do everything perfectly, certainly in the beginning, now way less so. Um, And we place that pressure on those around us and we need to just let that up a bit more. But instead of being a back, you know, backseat driver, is to really model how you ideally want things to be. And I needed to do this a lot of times, particularly with listening to upset feelings. I would point out how challenging Emily was. I'm I'm talking like when she was two and three years old, when she was really challenging and, you know, very evidently challenging and point out how terribly (laughs) she was. And then I would move in and I would listen to the upset feelings. I would stop the, you know, the annoying behaviour, the the off-track behaviour and I would be there and I would listen to her while she's having this big tantrum. And there was many times that I asked Evan to stay with me and watch and be part of it. Well, not and not actively do it, but just watch what I was doing. And then I would actively point out going, now look how amazing she is. Now see how happy and bright and gorgeous she is. And she's that because of what I've been doing here. And when you can do that, whether they stay with you throughout the whole process or not, it might be too much for them. But even if you can just point it out going now, you know, this is what I've done and now look how amazing they are, which is in sharp contrast to how challenging they were beforehand. That makes such a huge difference because they can really see it really sinks in and it's not just an intellectual exercise. It's like, ah, now I get. And then they can see with that lightness and brightness that comes after listening to a tantrum is very different to that sort of sort of bit more downtrodden way of how they come out often after being in timeout or another way of discipline, which your partner may be advocating for. They can really see it. And that modeling is what's so helpful and powerful because after a while that just becomes your family norm. It becomes your family norm that you play a game before bedtime. It becomes your family norm that instead of berating your child for being, you know, whiny and difficult that you've set that limit and you move in and you listen to them that becomes the way that your family is and what your family does and as the mum or the lead parent or whoever you are however you want to describe yourself you take that leadership role within the family and go well this is what we're going to do this is how this is what I feel is really best for our kids and this is how I'd like us to be but without expecting that perfection because that's not possible. It's not obtainable. And it's not helpful for anybody to feel that we all have to be perfect. It's not helpful for our kids. It's not helpful for us. It's not helpful for our relationship. It's just not helpful. But that can be your ideal scenario is how you're going to respond. And then we just need to let go a lot more, Um, which is harder when you've got this beautiful, precious little baby. You just want to, you know, make sure everything is right. But, you know, when they get to 11, clearly... (laughs) need to have some that there needs to be a lot of letting go happening there um, of perfection but having a clear baseline about what it is that you are not willing to have so in our family I was absolutely not willing to do control crying we were not going to do the cry it out self-settling method that was just one thing we're not going to do the other thing was not going to do timeouts not doing rewards charts that's just like that's it not doing it but then you know 
there's then there's some flexibility and I parent a bit differently to Evan and there's times when I'm really on and I'm brilliant and then there's other time and you know he takes a bit more of a back seat and then there's other times when I'm just losing it and I need to you know go and sort myself out and and he steps in and he's utterly brilliant and it's having that partnership isn't it so have a baseline about what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do and that but that requires sometimes of us to then step up more so the fact that I was absolutely not going to do cry cried out or self-settling when they were little for sleep, meant that I needed to step up at bedtimes a bit more and I needed to be clearer and figure out how I wanted to do it. Or, you know, the fact that I'm not going to do timeout means, okay, I'm going to be the main person who goes and listens to upset feelings. That's just going to be because that's important to me. Now, there's other times when Evan will distract, well, when I distract as well. You know, when we're not all going to listen to upset feelings all the time, we're going to use distraction and TV and a bit of bribery and, you know, perhaps a little bit of getting cross. You know, that comes in every now and again. But I still have that clear baseline of we're not going to do certain things, but then there's flexibility. And so when we can have that flexibility, oh, it lets us off the hook. It lets them off the hook. And your kids will, I mean, they learn so quickly, don't they? And particularly if you're in separated households, I'm going to talk more about separation, parental separation with my lovely friend, Nikki McGraw. We're going to, we're going to do more about that. So and we're going to do... Um, an online program as well to really help because I know that there's an extra myriad of issues that go on with that. But, you know, even if your ex-partner doesn't do this approach, the fact that you're doing it is fantastic. And your child learns to navigate. They learn to navigate. I can do these sort of things with daddy and not do those things with daddy. And I do this with mum and I do those, not do those things with mummy. And they learn to navigate. And the fact that you can do this approach and you can be as open and um, accepting of their upset feelings as much as possible will help for those times when their other parent can't do that, when their dad is not able to listen or willing to listen or whatever. But the fact that you're doing it is so, so helpful. So really just value what you're doing. Don't aim for perfection. Notice what you're you know, your partner or your, the, you know, your child's dad is doing, whether they're with you or with or not, and really value that contribution actively to offset all the things that they're not doing. And then my other piece would be really that sometimes we can get so focused on parenting and everything becomes about the kids and how we're parenting this right and what decisions are we making for the kids and for the family. And goodness, it can get so serious and so onerous and, you know, all consuming that we forget to have fun in that midst too. So just like, you know, we have special time for our kids, we need to have special time in our relationships as well. So to make that time that, you know, go out and have fun and it's not all about the kids. And the more that you can do that, just like the more that we can do that with our children, that we, we, we like each other more you know, feel the love for each other more and then are more willing and able to be flexible and appreciative of each other without it becoming this rigid focus on this is how we're parenting and this is it (laughs) because that's not helpful ultimately. So I hope that's helpful. I'd love to hear from you how things are with your partner um, and, you know, what you appreciate about them, um, what they find hard and how you then step up in those places or how how you do navigate it if 
you know, you separated from them and, and how you how you manage that and help your children with that, because that's really big, too. So it's it's important that and which is why another thing is that we get so it's so important that we get the support so that, you know, the annoyances that we feel. We have that safe outlet, which is why a listening partner is so helpful that you've got somebody who's outside of your family, outside of your relationship, who you can go and just complain ad nauseum to, God, they never do this and they don't do that and blah, blah, blah. That means that you get that outlet there and then you can go back to your, char- to your husband or your partner and go, ah, oh, okay, let's just, let's just roll with this as a family. So come and let me know how you are and I'd love to hear what resonates, what other challenges come up for you in that dynamic and I hope you have a really good week and I'll speak to you again next week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you can see how you can implement what we talked about today with your children and family. Be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app to know when each episode is released and I would love it if you could leave a review and share with your friends. And if you want to shout less and connect more, head over to parentingwithplay.com.au to download my quick guide of five simple games which you can start playing straight away. You really can transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun. So have a great week and enjoy playing.